Well, fortunately for the next hour, you won't have to hear me talking. You'll be able to get to hear me just briefly ask a question, then let Mayor Jim Langfelder do the heavy vocal lifting for this next hour. Mayor Langfelder, Happy New Year. Welcome. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. First chat in 2019 with Mayor Jim Langfelder as we talked to the mayor this afternoon. And obviously the big story right now, as it is every January, is the new city budget's been rolled out. It's been on Alderman's hands for a couple of weeks. And uh, we've had a chance to, to look it over as well. And uh, you've described this as, or I've seen it described at least as kind of a status quo uh, budget. Um, well, that's uh, Director McCarty's wording. Mine was a maintenance plus. Maintenance plus. That <laughs> right. was the other term. Right. Uh, so, so that yeah, it does generally hold the line, holds the line on taxes, no new right. taxes here. For the most part, holds the line on spending, just mm-hmm. slight increases here and there and a couple of, of uh, as you described them, necessities the city just has to have. But overall, uh, characterize this budget in terms of what it provides, and how it serves the needs and interests of the people of Springfield. Well, uh, first, we're not going to let our foot off the brake with regards to controlling spending. Uh, we've you know, lowered the employment status. We'll continue to look at how we can be more efficient in services. And twofold, one is through the corporate fund, which uh, people understand are delivering services to public works, police, fire, uh, office of budget management, the mayor's office, and so on. Uh, and then CWLPs, their own budget. So we're doing it in both realms of controlling expenses, slowing down hiring, really assessing uh, Overtime costs. Uh, when does it is it the right time to hire someone to bring them in to control those costs? But the other side of it is, uh, you know, we did have a rebound in sales tax, and with the council's actions, we were proactive in um, you know thwarting some of the um, issues that we've had in the past with regards to uh, unforeseen uh, downturns of the sales tax. So uh, we're in a better position with regards to that. The other side of it is uh, buying the equipment, and that's really the uh, uh, largest difference people will see uh, through police, uh, the fire department, and public works. They're our biggest users of equipment. Uh, the other thing, we're trying a new initiative, uh, three new initiatives. One is our director of uh, the library, of course, uh, with, wants greater outreach awareness of what they have to offer, and so he uh, recommended a bookmobile. Other communities are doing that, so you go to the, uh, the neighborhoods and promote the library in that way, so that's in there. Uh, the HOT, which is a homeless outreach team for homelessness, uh, our Police force are the first uh, people that come in contact with a lot of individuals, but the homeless downtown. So it's really how do they move that individual to get the support services they need uh, by contacting the appropriate social service agency or you know the entity like Helping Hands that would help the homeless and trying to get them the support they need so they're not a recurring um, uh issue that the police have to deal with. So that's in the budget, as well as ShotSpotter. ShotSpotter is uh, you know, uh, using technology to really uh, pinpoint where shots occur. And the you know it's not a citywide initiative because it, has to, it works kind of like Wi-Fi, where you have uh, what I call modems or uh, um, systems that are set up uh, in a strategic location, and then it communicates directly where a shot would take place in that geographic area. So I think it's about a million and uh, a one mile, one and a half mile radius, and it costs uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that initiative is in there uh, to try to take that step forward, uh, being more proactive uh, with regards to combating that and, uh, you know, kind of diffuse, uh, you know, those type of uh, 
gunshots, things of that nature. I, I want to touch on several of those mm-hmm. items in a little bit more in depth, but let's come back to the to the big picture here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you noted was the reduction in headcount. It's actually down a couple three hundred employees from from uh, maybe five six years ago. Right. Um, do you know where those uh, reductions are coming from, and what does that mean in mm-hmm. terms of services? What what jobs were those people doing mm-hmm. that are, are either not being done now or mm-hmm. being done by putting more on the plates of everybody who's left? How, how do you absorb those losses? Right. Public Works has uh, taken the greatest impact, I would say, and uh, the other one was uh, Police Department. They've taken a big chunk, but those departments are the uh, largest uh, personnel areas. You know, the large big three are the fire department, police department, and public works. So they're the ones that took the, uh, uh, had the greatest reduction, so to speak. CWLPs had a reduction as well. Uh, but with public works, I did, uh, you know, inform Director Mahoney, uh, really what's, what we're in the mode right now is what's the right size for city government to provide the services. And what we're getting to is a zero-based budget method. We're slowly uh, moving that direction. So we know if we wanted to offer an extra branch pickup or an extra service, what does that service cost? And so if you want to add uh, an extra branch uh, pickup, Okay, you add that to the budget. If it's a hundred thousand or whatever, where's that hundred thousand going to come from? So that's uh, the direction we're getting towards. Uh, so we're able to do that in many different facets through each department, gradually moving in that direction. And we are, you know, to the point where. Uh, we made those cuts. We're looking at shared services with the utility. Uh, we, the perfect example is with the consolidated garage. That was the first start of it. We've started it last year with the Office of Budget Management. We have financial um, officers in various departments. We're consolidating that under Office of Budget Management because uh, you, you can have one person uh, take care of two departments. And so uh, you want that proper checks and balances, but what's the right staffing size with that shared services where they can uh, you know, take care of uh, different department needs uh, through one individual instead of multiple individuals. Zero-based budgeting has been talked about for a long time, not just at the city level, but mm-hmm. the state level, mm-hmm. too. Uh, and it's not really being implemented in a lot of places that I know of. Why, why does it have to be a gradual change over to that, and why, why does it take so long to transition to that? Well, the re- well, and right, maybe right. first explain what exactly right. it is. Zero-based budgeting is uh, showing what it costs to offer a program. You know, what's the true cost of that personnel-wise, material-wise, things of that nature. And so uh, and the ancillary cost of this, uh, the perfect example for us is the branch pickup, because it used to be a customized branch pickup. You could put your branches out any time of the year, and then uh, public works would go pick it up. Well, when we went to two times a year, one in the fall and one in the spring, uh, if you remember when we went to that, uh, that helped free up Public Works time. The stump removal was backlogged years, and so we were able to concentrate on concentrated effort to remove stumps, and now we're caught up in that initiative. So it's not only seeing what a program costs, but what can you do with that extra time What you know that you can add that benefit. So zero-based budgeting, long answer to your short question, is really showing the true costs of a program personnel-wise and uh, Uh, material-wise throughout each and every department. Why it takes so long is, one is, uh, you know, really identifying what those program costs are. I know Alderman, as well as myself, has asked CWLP, what's the cost to run uh, one Dalman 31? What's the cost to do that? And they're going through the integrative resource plan right now because you have individuals that might be over several programs, not just one. So pinpointing it down to one program or one uh, project or one generator in this case is somewhat difficult to do and, um, you know, moving that direction. So, uh, 
the key thing is take that first step towards that. Uh, don't keep putting it off year after year, and that's when we came into office. That's one of the challenges we had with the city council, and they're buying into it, is let's not uh, you know keep kicking the can down the road. Let's start making positive moves to address the financial situation on both CWLP and the city, and then that will in turn be able to put us in a better financial position to address our long-term needs of pensions and infrastructure and so forth. And and that's another big picture I don't want to talk about, but let's let's talk on the just the the overall fiscal health of the city. Mm-hmm. Bad shape a year ago mm-hmm. and you were able to get Alderman to go along with the sales tax increase, the telecom tax increase, uh, and that's generated more revenue mm-hmm. and now the city's in a better situation. You've got a, more of a cushion now. You've mm-hmm. got basically a, a, a built-in kind of mm-hmm. safety net uh, of funding. It's it's going to be what, about 17% of the total budget you're going to be able to have on hand as cash reserves? Is that, is uh, that right? Cor- well, starting off, ending this past year. Okay. And that uh, depends on, we have two large contracts, police and fire. Uh, depending on when those are settled, that will change that Because uh, there'll dynamic. be some back pay to be paid out, out, out of that. Correct. So, but, but even so, you've got a lot more cushion right. than you had before, and that's because you've got an infusion of revenue. So uh, that's, I guess, the argument in favor of, because it's going to be a political issue, that sales tax hike, that's mm-hmm. going to, I'm sure, come up in your in your upcoming campaign. I do have an answer, though. Well, let, well, <laughs> well let's, let's hear it. Sure. On the sales tax, uh, when we did our strategic ward plan meetings, when we asked people, okay, Here's the budget situation. If uh, how would you pay for things? And one thing they had mentioned is uh, we want other people that visit Springfield to help pay for the cost. So to us, if you're going to increase uh, tax, it'd be more sales tax because outsiders help uh, you know shop at our stores or eat at our restaurants, and they would help with that. The other one is hotel motel tax, um, and so uh, what the council had comfort in is designating a specific tax for a specific purpose. And we use hotel motel tax to help uh, Oak Ridge Cemetery was, when we came into office, was uh, running in the red deeply uh, where it's draining off the corporate fund. Well, we raised the hotel motel tax and designated that directly to Oak Ridge Cemetery, which is the second largest uh, most visited cemetery in the world because of Abraham Lincoln, or of the country, I should say. And then uh, the other piece of that, any extra would be for promotions of Springfield. So it's twofold on that. Uh, and so that passed, and then the sales tax course was a quarter percent. Some aldermen wanted a half percent. I said, no, if we would have raised it when I first brought up two years ago, the quarter percent would have got us by. And so we just don't want to raise taxes for the sake of it. Knowing that, I kept it at a quarter percent. So what that did, it raised it to 8.75, was well below our peers, but people just look at Springfield, not our peers, like Peoria, Bloomington, Champaign, which have higher ones. But what that allowed for is the school tax referendum, because if we would have raised it to half percent, that put us at 9%. I think it would have been a different situation where that 1%, when you're talking uh, 10% on a dollar, 10 cents on a dollar, yeah. that's a different situation. So that's another reason that I wanted to keep it below that mark. So... It turned out to be a win-win with regards to that, but uh, really it's taking a look at your needs and uh, really uh, moving in that direction uh, to make sure that you're doing it fiscally responsible manner, and that's what we've done. But, but and do the telecom see, goes towards directly towards yeah. the library. But do you see a downside to that sales tax increase? I mean, in in mm-hmm. the the year since it's happened, we've seen a lot of uh, job losses here locally, and a lot of that's coming out of the retail sector. Mm-hmm. We've seen, and right. uh, you know, I know a lot of these are chains that are that are going out of business, right. and it's a problem all around the country. Right. But is is there any correlation there between that sales tax going up and people maybe less inclined to 
to shop at brick-and-mortar stores here locally. Yeah, no, uh, because the numbers will prove out that we've seen a spike in the sales tax revenue. And uh, the sales tax actually didn't go into effect till the summertime anyway. I think it was like June or July. Uh, so really, you had the rebound. And thankfully, thanks to everybody that shopped local, I think that's resonating, is the importance of shopping local. Uh, but you mentioned it, you know, the big box stores, that's a domino impact across the country with regards to that. But the thing is, is how do you, uh, we are in a changing economy. We, you know, we were the retail kings. We still are the retail uh, kings around the region, you know the retail center, I should say, and people are looking for that shopping experience they can't get online. And that's what's that differential. I think, uh, you know, like your areas like downtown, the Shields area, the mall, they're going through this uh, morphing, if you will, of changing their shopping experiences to combat the online shopping. Because uh, it doesn't matter if you're in Springfield, Illinois, or Chicago, or in California, or whatever state you're in, or city you're in, uh, it's really, uh, everybody's combating that, is how do you entice people to shop at the brick and mortar and that's what it's all come down to is really that online versus the convenience of online versus actually uh, going out especially for young people and enjoying that shopping experience what's that added value that would make them come and shop wherever it is in your community all right i want to come back and talk some more about the job loss issue in a moment mm-hmm. i have a few more budget questions to get to you about and we'll take care of that when we come back here it is 423 news talk 94.7 and 970 wmay the jim lee show continues live in downtown springfield mayor jim langfelder here with us for the hour we have started off talking about the uh, city budget that's now in the hands of aldermen. Budget hearings get underway next week, and we'll run through January with a vote coming up sometime in February on that final budget plan. Mayor, we were talking about the fact that uh, you do have more of a, uh, a cushion now, more money held in reserve, and you've mentioned the possibility of uh, seeking an additional police and fire pension payment to try to reduce some of that backlog there. Are you, in fact, recommending that? Is that what you would want the aldermen to do? Right. Uh, One important aspect that we did last year, the council took action on, is we set the policy with regards to the corporate fund. What's the uh, right balance to maintain? Um, And so we set it from 8% as a low. So if you're getting close to that 8% mark of the budgeted amount within the corporate fund, that'd be uh, kind of signaling the bell that something needs to happen to improve. Otherwise, you might have difficulty in making your day-to-day operational payments. And then on high end was 16%. So anything above that should be looked at additional payments to uh, the pensions or capital expenditure, things of that nature. So I think it's projected for next year, you know, upcoming is 16.6. So that's 6.6% equates to about $600,000, So, um, and plus with the Comcast, you know, we did see a bump where we had a settlement with Comcast that added uh, extra to the um, bottom line of the corporate fund. Uh, but I'd prefer using that for ShotSpotter or some really uh, a project you can identify with. But that will be my recommendation is to uh, have an extra pension payment aside from the typical, um, you know, the budget. It's not in the budget because uh, we presented a balanced budget. And sometimes, you know, people get caught up in that. Well, you're making an extra pension payment that takes you below. You know, an unbalanced budget. No, what you're doing is you're taking care of long-term uh, needs uh, with your ability to do so today based on our financial policy that we put in place. So that's something we will discuss with the city council members and make that determination uh, what they're comfortable with. And it might not be right out of the gate uh, or when we pass the budget, which is at the end of February. 
maybe it's a little bit later down the road, uh, maybe in June when we have a better handle on how things are shaping up for this upcoming fiscal year that we're entering into. Uh, the, the Comcast money is a one-time payment. To, That's to correct. Greg. So you're going to uh, use that, as you said, so on something like ShotSpotter, mm-hmm. which is, again, this technology that allows you to pinpoint when it, when shots are fired in a certain area, it would allow you to pinpoint where that is actually happening. Right. And that's a one-time expense. Are there ongoing maintenance costs for that program? or No, it's ongoing each year. Okay. Uh, some other communities have that, so it would be an ongoing expense. Uh, like I said, it was about $200,000, so that would be an annual expense. Um, in moving that direction. What what makes you think that's worth the investment? As you noted, it's not a very big geographic mm-hmm. area, and I know we have certain areas where gun crimes are a lot more frequent, but um, by the time a shot is fired, a lot of times these are happening in moving vehicles. People are leaving the scene pretty quickly. What do you get for the couple of hundred thousand dollars to be invested in that program? Well, that's uh, something the chief would be more capable to answer than I would, but uh, during that presentation, um, especially uh, what you want to do is show that you're proactive, especially in the areas that might hear additional gunshots in other areas. And so they, you know, you want to make sure that people understand that you are responding as best as possible to, uh, you know, uh, be proactive in catching the perpetrators. And that's what this gives us the latest and greatest technology to help in that effort. And even though it's instantaneously, it at least would direct any officer within that area uh, you'd be able to, you know, that's, and again, it's within the geographic area that's set up uh, by the technology. Uh, they would be able to respond faster and directly to that point of ha- occurring. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfeld is here with us. We've got lots more to talk about, including some items that are not contained in the new city budget. We'll get into that when we come back. All right, we continue on live in downtown Springfield, our monthly conversation with Mayor Jim Langfelder. Uh, as we start out on a new year, we've seen numbers recently from the state of Illinois showing the city of Springfield did lose 700 jobs between November of 2017 and November of 2018. Mm-hmm. As we talked about earlier, Mayor, uh, a lot of that probably coming in the retail sector with some of the big box stores closing. But it's still the worst showing of any major metro area in the state over that 12-month period. How much of that falls on your shoulders? Well, uh, you know, with regards to the economy, what government tries to do is make it easier for development things of that nature so uh nobody can prevent the big box stores uh, you know they're uh they're going to make their decisions on the 2,000 foot level and or 20,000 foot level whatever that is and so it doesn't really matter what uh some of my position or you know any position does um what you can try to stimulate is uh, you know opportunity with regards to TIF districts things of that nature and we talked about it how do you move from the retail experience right now to other areas and that's where the medical communities really stepped up they've saved us from you know the defection of state jobs when that happened and they were rebounding our economy was going great guns and what happened state goes two years without a budget and i've talked to people within the medical field they had uh you know at least a hundred million dollars of projects put on hold and so what that does it's like you have a moving train and then you've come to a screeching halt and then so even though the state did have a budget uh after the two years so into the third year they have the budget which was just a year ago um then you got to restart it and slowly uh start that engine up again and that's what you're seeing now that's why the ymca project came to life is they're finally getting paid and it uh, you know added to their um 
opportunity to be able to invest in projects like that and then also expand, you know, do expansion projects. Uh, St. John's is HSHS has done one on 9th Street there that's completed a $50 million project. LRS has just completed a uh, or near completion of a $20 million expansion of their campus, uh, which any company or any city in the world would love to have that high-tech industry. And that's what the numbers have shown. You have this shifting from retail more towards uh, other industries on job creation, and that's what's going to have to transpire for any community to move in that direction. So what we tried to do is with LRS, we did have, that's in an enterprise zone, so they did get some sales tax relief. Uh, Emberclear, we've partnered with them. Uh, if that project comes up um, and worked on that one, uh, you know, we've done other items like motorheads uh, with sales tax uh, relief to help pay for uh, expansion costs or bringing them into the city, I should say. And then LS Development's another one where we've taken a look at a targeted TIF in that area. So those are ways uh, that the city council, as well as myself, the administration, have kind of tried to spur economic development. But really the backbone of the economy, small businesses. Does It, it hadn't changed from decades ago. It's the small businesses that carry the load for the economy in the United States of America. I think it's like 90% of the economies generate from small business owners and that domino impact that they have uh, when you do things locally in that regards. Every other major metro area, mm -hmm. except I think Carbondale, had seen job growth during that time. When do you think we start to see these numbers turn around in Springfield? I think we'll see it uh, next year, you know, with regards to that, because in the in summertime... In this coming year of 2019, right, you mean? Right, okay. because what you saw is... Uh, uh, construction jobs. I think it was in June. Uh, we had job losses, but you looked at construction. You had an increase of uh, like 200 jobs. And so what you're seeing is from the building, you know, once you have construction, other jobs follow. The other key component is, uh, you know, the the YMCA project. That's a uh, po poised to be a 30 million dollar project. Uh, that's going to be the probably the largest. TIP project uh, in our history, but that's just going to be a, um, you know, that's going to spur other development in the Enos Park area. I was just at the uh, Springfield uh, Art Association. They're doing expansion. They've uh, created a campus. If you have not gone over there, you should drive through there because it's at the Edwards place uh, and they've expanded thanks to uh, Enos Park TIF. And that that's ribbon cutting is coming up on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have uh, glass blowing, uh, ceramics, jewelry making, and it's just uh, create this artist campus there, but that's the type of living environment people thrive towards. And uh, what we're, you're seeing, or you're going to see, because you hit the nail on the head, it's a metropolitan number. It's just not Springfield. This is uh, Sangman County and Menard County. That's where they get the number. It's an MSA, Metropolitan Statistical Area. Uh, so it's just not Springfield, but they look at the region in that regards. But uh, if you look at what's happening in Springfield, a lot of great things are happening, and that's going to continue on in 2019. That's when you'll really see the rebounding especially with the incoming governor. Uh, you know, there's talk of a capital bill. And thanks to our legislative leader, Senator Durbin, led the way with regards to the rail project. We're one of the few communities, probably the only community, that received two Tiger grants and now a build grant. And that's thanks to Senator Durbin, uh, Senator Duckworth, and, of course, Congressman LaHood. And Congressman Davis brought uh, FRA here to actually see the project and fund that build grant. Uh, and that keeps that rail project moving in a forward capacity. And then once the state has her capital plan in place, then the rail project will really take off and continue that growth and um, and 
what's also happening is the moving of the buses. That's going to, I think there's a ribbon cutting or an announcement on Friday, but the buses will move off of Capitol Avenue over to their site near the county building right. uh, next week. Right. And so that move happened because of the Salvation Army being moved way back when we did that. Uh, the city moved, got the uh, county, SMTD, uh, Horace Mann, and the city participated in the Salvation Army and got that move. Uh, and made that happen. And that's some of the legwork you can do, lay the infrastructure for future growth. And that's what you're seeing um, on a gradual basis as we move along. Another long-range plan in the works is the development of a Route 66 corridor Mm -hmm. uh, that will spotlight Springfield's connection to that legendary highway. Uh, The Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, ponied up uh, $22,000 for the Sunrise Donuts sign uh, to be one of the things that people will see along there. What do you envision that being, and will there be other acquisitions of that type to to try to bring even more life and more of the original feel of Route 66 to that corridor? Well, uh, Route 66 is couple items. One is uh, we always say Springfield's more than just Lincoln. Well, Route 66 is a uh, where world visitors or tourists will come to Springfield because of Route 66 like they just do for Abraham Lincoln. And people around the country will visit uh, Route 66, and especially with the 100th anniversary coming up in uh, 2026. But uh, Ron Metzger, he's uh, opened up Motorheads. If you have not done so, you should go out to Motorheads. It's off of the old or off Toronto Road as you go your way out to Lincoln Land there. But it's a restaurant, and he has a lot of the memorabilia that he had through his collection, but also from Shea's uh, Museum that used to be a station right there on Route 66 uh, near the north end. And then so you have that on the far south end of Springfield. And on the far north end, you have Fulgenzi's that has the oldest, my understanding, the oldest uh, gas station that was on Route 66 uh, right next to their facility. They bought it from, I believe, Shays as well. So you have those bookends. And how do you uh, move people along the path in between? You have a sign company, uh, which has a great sign collection. But the uh, Sunset Donut sign uh, was right on the route. Sunrise Donuts, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Sunrise, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so what we did this past year with the Bicentennial, we had Abe's Hat Hunt. And uh, through Abe's Hat Hunt, it's a you know a game that people could play. They get a patch if they visit at least five sites. So we had ten sites uh, outlined in the book, and people would really participated, and they visit other sites other than the old state capitol. They go to the capitol, or they go to maybe Vachel Lindsay House. And so it took them, by using this simple mechanism, off the uh, normal trail and gets them to spend more time in Springfield. We can do the same type of philosophy with Route 66 and have these off-trail visits or off-route visits. Uh, so the sign placement, uh, you know, time will tell. A sign company is going to restore the t- sign. And we all know from the Tropicana that was acquired by Lincoln, the notoriety they received on that, that'll be the same thing when the sunset sign or sunrise sign, it's sunset and it's sunset and we're going to sunrise it <laughs> when that comes to fruition. But the other one that that's uh, over at a sign company I bought with my personal money was the seal. I was going to ask seal. about the seal. So is the seal going to go along the corridor? Well, somewhere along there, you know, at least lead people along the path or enhance the experience. It all comes down to the experience. So where that ends up, I want to activate it where it's actually a fountain. Uh, you know, not uh, just have it for people to enjoy. I'm not going to sell it for profit, but so people can enjoy it. I might put my name on there or something, but that's the intent. Uh, and really, there is a plan. I talked to Bill Kelly. He's with the uh, 
Illinois Association Route 66, and he dropped off a plan that was done under Mayor Dablin. You probably remember this. The Bel Air was going to be a uh, tourism right, center. Right. And so an interpretive tourist site, I think, is what they were talking about. Well, with the 100th anniversary, I think Congressman LaHood's pushing the initiative that they should have a designation of the uh, Heritage Trail for Route 66, but on that would have a center of some type. Well, we could position ourselves to be that site being in the Midwest. And going back to what Mayor Davlin was doing with the Bel Air, um, that didn't come to fruition, but there's a plan in place that outlined what each community throughout the state of Illinois has to offer uh, for the Route 66 experience. And the seal was in there, the sunrise sign was in there, so there's a lot of great attributes right there in that master plan that we implant, we, we intend to implement. All right. Uh, and uh, we, we were told uh, by CBB that this is on the fast track, like hopefully to have this, you know, really rolling in the next year or two. Is that your uh, anticipation? on it Right. Too? Well, that's how everybody comes together. And the difficult we sometimes have is let's get all the players around the table at one time to make it something dramatic happen. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, Representative Tim Butler uh, started the initiative with the uh, having a 100th anniversary committee put together. He's working on that, like I mentioned, Congressman LaHood on the federal side. But locally, uh, Bill Kelly's been involved in a lot of others, a sign company and private entities. So what we're trying to do is bring all the players together to really get everybody on the same page um, with regards like the Fulgenzi Alderman Fulgenzi's family's been at this a long time. How do we get everybody around the table and really have everybody in sync with how do we improve the direction along the corridor, celebrate the 100th anniversary, but get people to visit off the corridor as well. And then uh, that way they stay multiple days, just not one day, but they have the overnight stay and goes back to the hotel, motel tax dollars that we talked about that we bought the sign for. Before we take a break, you said the magic word activation, which brings up the North Mm -hmm. Mansion Y block in the park there. Uh, That was an idea being pushed pretty hard by uh, a group that had ties to Governor Bruce Rauner, Mm -hmm. who's not going to be in the picture anymore. So does that, uh, has anything changed in the last Last 30 days, uh, does does Governor Rauner's departure uh, take that privately funded uh, idea for a park? off the table. Have you talked to Don Tracy about this? He was heading up that committee. Where do we stand? Mm-hmm. Well, I briefly talked to Don Tracy about it, but uh, most importantly, I talked to Governor-elect J.B. Pritzker and then Senator Menard, who's in that area. He represents that area, about uh, how we got to this point and what the ultimate goal would be, or the home run is what I call it, is having a um, uh, kind of like a satellite um, campus there with regards to the university, whether it's UIS or SIU. It's been talked about for decades. Uh, when I went to Sangamon State, they had a downtown location. So this gives us the opportunity to have that as an anchor on that block and still have the design work that Peter Wirtz had put forward, maybe a scaled-down version, but you'd have it activated space with regards to fountains, uh, greenery, and then really what blends in well with the Bicentennial Plaza. And uh, what it did was announced uh, with Downtown Springfield, Inc., working with others, uh, Sheila Walk from the uh, Arts Council, actually, I think she had an idea originally to apply for the Levitt Grant, and it came to fruition. We So yeah. we won the grant to activate the space with music. But we don't want to lose a building season, so we'd probably do that in the spring and early summer. And then uh, hopefully, uh, you know, by the end of the summer, uh, like July, August, move forward in that direction with uh, – some type of activity happening. And, of course, what I'm pushing for and continue to push for, as I did previously, is private investment in that area. But how do you have, uh, hopefully, a university presence, which would include retail, and make that happen? All right. We'll continue to watch that through the spring and into the summer. But uh, the key players on that, real quick, 
state of Illinois has a say so because they fund universities and universities, yeah. of course, could, uh, you know, they have to have the interest. And I think there is interest there. And then uh, with regards to the activation of the space and rising raising the private funds for their green space and everything else. I think it can happen. Uh, when I did, you know, it was interesting when I talked to J.P. Pritzker, uh, two things, John Bryant's family still interested. They were involved with the, he's passed since, but uh, they were involved in Don Tracy's group. They're interested in carrying that on. But uh, Pritzker did the Pritzker Pavilion in Millennial Park, which John Bryant was a part of. Right. So these all are coming into play. Mayor, got to take a break here. Back after this, 454 in the Jim Lee Show. Only about a minute left with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. Mayor, later this month, you'll be part of a panel discussion before for the Citizens Club on Capitol Township uh, and who might wind up taking that over. Uh, the county ran their referendum in November and got a lot of support from mm-hmm. the county uh, taking over Capitol Township. So has that ship sailed? You've got about 30 seconds here. Can the city uh, still be in the mix on this discussion? Oh, without a doubt, because the state legislature says that it should go to municipalities of coterminous, meaning the same boundaries, and Springfield mirrors uh, Capitol Township or actually vice versa for property tax relief. So if the county is to take it over, they have to go to the state legislature. Uh, and what I propose is an agreement uh, where we there have a joint board made up of aldermen and county board members within the city that would oversee the fund uh, and make sure that they're going for LIHEAP um, and other initiatives for township, but most importantly, provide property tax relief, not only one time, but throughout uh, existence existence as we move forward. Well, so we're out of time. But we'll hear more about it later this right. month. Definitely talk more about it. WMAY Springfield, W234CC. Sherman Mayor, thank you much. And we'll thank talk you. To you soon. We're